Welcome to A Cup and a Conversation. This is a podcast talking about the city of Brunswick, activities, businesses, stakeholders within our wonderful community of Brunswick, Ohio. I'm Grant Ongs, the Development Director for the City of Brunswick, and today I have Eric Engelke of Engelke Construction Solutions. Eric's also a native Brunswickian and uh, has built quite a, quite a reputation for uh, working within the community, for the community, and about the community of Brunswick, and we're here to talk to him about today about those items as well as his successful business and his partners that he's done, as well as a wonderful foundation that they that they have through uh, their organizations. So, Eric, welcome to uh, welcome to a cup and a conversation. Thanks for having me, Grant. It's great to be here. Good to see you. Well, it's good to see you, and uh, you have a busy life. Are you aware of that? I do. Yeah, yeah. Lots of uh, lots of different things going on. Lots of moving parts, but. Uh, I guess if there's an hour in the day, you want to use it wisely, and uh, that's the challenge. So, yeah. So, so t- tell us, Eric. So you you spent your formative years here in Brunswick, I understand. Yeah, um, I've been in Brunswick since 1978. I, I went to Crestview Elementary, went to all all the public schools here. I I, I really enjoyed the community once uh, growing up in it, and then as I become an adult and go off to college and come back, it was. Uh, the community meant enough to me where I felt this was where I was eventually going to establish my business. Uh, my family, my wife is from Brunswick, um, so it's it's really been a, just a great community. I've had the blessing of, uh, of watching it grow. I've had the blessing of uh, some of the pain, some of the struggles, but so much good has come out of it. So I've really, I've really enjoyed that uh, sort of from a few hundred feet above watching it go on and being a part of it with our business within the community and several different things we try to do around the area. So uh, so you grew up here. What were some of those favorite activities you had as a kid in, here in Brunswick, Ohio? Well, there wasn't, there was a lot more rural land. There was, <laughs> back in the day, there was, you know, we had Brunswick Lake, which Brunswick Lake was a campground and an amphitheater, and you could uh, get around those grounds probably when you weren't supposed to. And uh, Center Road was two lanes at the time. Um, but going to high school here, I had a great experience at the high school. Um, uh, being involved in sports and, and the things that we did there, the friendships that I made, just a just a, a lot of a lot of good things. I mean, I remember Skate Station, and that was the place where I went in eighth grade, and it's still uh, here. It, it's still here. It's a, about a quarter of a mile from my office. Um, I remember when the Burger King came, and it was the first fast food place here and on Center Road. So I remember all those things, and I it kind of dates me. It's it's when you start to feel a little bit older and grow a little bit long a tooth. But uh, I do I have been around for a lot of that change, and it's it's really been welcoming. It's been fun. It's been enjoyable. I like sharing those experiences with my kids, um, talking about them of where it's come from, uh, talking to my coworkers. You know, they don't they don't know much. The ones that live out of the city. Um, so it's fun to talk about those kind of things. That's great. And, and your business, you established it here when? In 2007 is when I opened my business, Angle Key Construction Solutions. And, and uh, you've grown exponentially since then. Yeah, we've, we've been very blessed. Um, my partner and I, Jim McClellan, another Brunswick resident, one of my best friends growing up, We've we've been at it since about the beginning together, and uh, we've really been blessed. We we started it in probably the worst time during as a remodeling <laughs> company in 2007 when the mortgage crisis hit. But things really um, th- things really started to go the right direction for us in 2009. And uh, you know when we 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 moved offices about four times in seven years because we kept growing and where we established now in the industrial parkway we've grown to about 100 employees and approaching revenues of 100 million dollars a year and 
the growth has really been exponential. And it's not, uh, I, I'd like to say I was a small part of it, but we're really surrounded with great people. We've got some wonderful men and women in our office that have, uh, that have allowed the company to grow, that have given it the opportunity to grow. Um, there was a while in my career where I felt I had to do it all myself. Uh, I figured it out real quickly that we weren't going to, that things weren't going to go the best way unless I surrounded people that were better than me at certain things. And uh, yeah, we've been just really lucky. We've shifted out of the residential end and we're solely commercial now. We work in 45 different states throughout the country and have uh, lots of big box retailer clients and small clients and just really have, uh, really proud of the reputation we built, proud of the team we've assembled. And we've got a really good client base. You know, one of our models is building great things with great people and uh, that could be looked at both ways, either the client or my colleagues. So very, very wow, that's that's certainly exciting. Again, you're a very busy man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I am. It's uh, it's a lot of fun though. I I have no trouble turning the lights on and turning them off. I, I I really do enjoy it. The day that I wake up and say, you know what, maybe today isn't the day I want to go. Um, probably something's not going the right way, and I haven't had that feeling in a long time. Well, that's good. Yeah. So so back in 2007, you obviously had some thoughts prior to that to get this going. And what were you doing prior to Ingle Key Construction Solutions? Yeah, so I, I graduated from college with an accounting and international economics degree. I'm not a carpenter. I'm not a roofer. Um, to be honest, I'm 10 thumbs. If I, if I try to put it together myself, uh, the, guys, the guys are on. They really don't want me involved. <laughs> but I know how the process needs to go. Um, and, I, and I worked for... A lumberyard in high school and college. Uh, I learned a lot about the business then. And then I went to work for a large home improvement contractor in Strongsville. Uh, wonderful guy. Learned a lot about the business. Um, learned how to do things the right way from a residential standpoint. Uh, sure. And, and really cut my teeth with some other people. I just figured that at that time, I was around 35 years old in 2007. If I, um, if I didn't make a stab at it then, I probably wasn't going to do it. And... Uh, Literally, I think at the time we were, it was a single income family with my wife and she was raising our children at home. Um, honest to God, I had $100 in my checking account. I put $65 in the old First Merit Bank and Angle Key Construction was born. Uh, literally started with that. And uh, from there, it just, uh, it was a labor of love and uh, lots of reward, lots of heartache, lots of different things. But um, spending time before in my own business, I had lots of great experiences with a lot of good people. I'm grateful for all of them. Um, Never tried to burn a bridge. Always tried to maintain good relationships with people and let them know always with an attitude of gratitude that I that I learned a lot from them and hopefully I did the same for them. Sure. So so sixty five dollars in the account. Literally, yeah, sixty five. And and as you know, sixty five dollars even back then it went a little farther, but not not as far as it would not 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 nearly as far as today. I mean, it's yeah. it's uh, things are even even more expensive as we know in the construction industries. But what drove you? What drove you to start that business? Because sometimes that's that's a really hard call to make. You've got one income, not a lot of cash on hand, and you and your partner Jim are probably out knocking on doors saying, hey, we're remodelers, or yeah. maybe you had a few clients that, that knew you and knew your reputation, um, and, and you were probably subbing some things out. How, how did that work, Eric? What yeah. was the drive? So that's a good question, Grant. The... Um the drive for me really in the early 2000s was I had a lot of clients that they would ask me, why aren't you doing this yourself? You're, you know, you're good at it. They trusted me. They were, they were kind and courteous and all those things. They really were, uh, really sort of coached me up saying, you know, you should be doing this yourself. And I was very committed to the, to the company I'd worked for, but I yearned for challenge. One of the things I, I, I love to be challenged. I'd like to do, 
the hardest, most difficult things. And, and I just, I had that, I had that drive in my head that if I was going to do that, I, I might as well do it for myself and for my family. Um, I wanted to build, uh, I, I wanted to build my own legacy, not, not a financial legacy by any means, but a, build my legacy as a person that did things with honor, did things, uh, tried to do things the right way. When I made mistakes, I owned up to it. Uh, I learned from them and then, uh, and moved on. But I am very competitive. Uh, I, I am very competitive, and I, I just felt that it was the next challenge of my life. Not that I was, I was successful in the other roles. I, I, uh, I, I think I was. I want to believe I was. Um, but it was, it was the next challenge. It was the next challenge for Jim too. Um, he was working for another company at the time, and he, I think he had the same, the same aspirations. And growing up together, playing sports together, knowing who we were, uh, knowing our families very close. It was, I think, the right step for both of us, for sure. Well, that's that's good to know. And, and so it's okay to give it a shot, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I I, I believe it is. Um, so much so as we have about 30 other entities that we own now. <laughs> we've, we've given it a shot over and over and over again. We have tripped up. We've stubbed our toe occasionally, but... Um, it, the the risk and the reward is the fun. It's exhilarating. Uh, it's it creates anxiety. It creates uh, it breeds uh, healthy brain activity. I think it keeps you on your toes. And um, nowadays, especially in the economy, especially the way things are going, you have to be nimble. Um, you have to you have to have a strategy. Uh, now, don't get me wrong. We're not just uh, you know th- throwing chainsaws in the air and trying to figure <laughs> out where they're going to land, but. Um, there, there is some strategy, but there's some aggressive competitiveness about it where it's just something we could do. And you have to be passionate about it. You have to love it. And the thing that really drove me was um, as somebody that is not necessarily a mechanic, but somebody that's a finance guy, uh, I love the conception to completion. Right? I love to uh, – we spend an awful lot of time in our firm with business development. Um, we talk to people when they're literally sketching their thoughts out on a bar napkin or – uh, just a piece of paper, and then we go from there. And uh, we spend a lot of time with them long before their contracts are prepared or executed, or their drawings are done, doing budget work, doing things like that. And uh, that that time is all well spent. And that's part of the conception, right? You're con- you're talking about their idea. You're talking about what they want. You're then applying economics to it. You're applying cost and how long, how much it's going to cost, how long it's going to take. And that part of the journey for me is really fun. The building part of it. There's a thousand guys that can hang the cabinets on the walls, right? There's a thousand guys that can take a foundation, but the process and how you go about it, I believe, is what separates Angle Key from a lot of other people. And we have that outlook on all the things that we're involved in. I think um, the experience, right? I talk about a lot with my colleagues and my clients about the experience. Um, anybody could deliver the message, you know, how you, what your message is, what the experience is for those people is what's paramount to me. Did you enjoy it? Uh, did, did it go the right way? If it didn't go the right way, was there a reason why? And did you get what you were supposed to in the end? Maybe just the road to toe was a little tougher than we thought, but because uh, we're not perfect by any means. That sounds a lot like coaching. That sounds like, like yeah. you're, you're coaching your, your colleagues to success. Yeah, it is. Um, I do that as, a, as, a, as another job where I, I've coached high school football for about 15 years. Um, I love it. It's my hobby and my passion. Um, but 
it, it is. A lot of those are the same things, whether you're talking to 16-year-old kids and trying to win a football game or you're, or you're talking to a 35-year-old project manager where you're trying to win a project. A lot of the concepts come into play, you know, work hardest when nobody's watching and do the right things and, you know, the best things come out of teamwork and collaboration. Uh, and I bridge a lot of those beliefs and a lot of those ideas in my office and to the football field for sure. You know, one of the interesting things you were bringing up there, Eric, was that um, do the right thing when no one else is looking. Yeah. I've heard you say that before. Yeah. I know you believe it. Yeah. W- what does that mean for you as a person and you as a, as a business entity? Well, I think a long time ago, my mom's been passed for a while. Um, and I asked myself when my mom, my mom passed away, you know, 20 years ago, and when I was making hard business decisions or hard personal decisions, I reflected and said, if my mom would be embarrassed of this, it's probably not the right thing to do. And my mom wasn't here, right? She wasn't with me. Now she's in heaven and she's watched down. But she, um, that belief led me then to say, you know, work the hardest when nobody is watching. Because if you do that, you don't need to be motivated. You don't need to be pushed. And you're going to excel because you're surrounded by 10 other people that only work hard when somebody's watching. Um, and doing it on your own, having your own, uh, your own self-worth, your own great work ethic, um, that initially has to be coached. Some of it's born in some people, but you have to coach that and make sure you can bring it out in people. And once they figure that out, uh, once you coach that up in them enough, they can do anything, anything, you, anything they want, really. Um, and I've seen people do it. I've seen people, um, I've seen players that I never would have expected would have been on the football field, and two years later they're an all-conference player and they're wonderful. Uh, I've seen in our staff we promote within a lot. We've had people that were subcontracted painters that are now vice presidents. Um, we've got it just I watch those things go on. It's it's why I'm so vigilant about it. It's it's really it's growth. something. I, it's growth, and I believe in it. I, I do. I believe in it. I don't uh, I don't shy away from it. Um, I'm not afraid to say it over and over and over again to people. Um, just because it is something that I truly believe in. But, you know, in, in many ways, when we coach people and we teach people and in our schools and, and other areas, we teach all about winning. But if you win all the time, you don't necessarily always learn. Yeah. And okay. so, so, you know, sometimes, uh, Eric, you learn the most out of a failure. And I'm sure that there have been times when, as you said, you've stubbed your toe. Yeah, ab- absolutely. What do, you I, learn, I think, what do you learn from those times? I, I think it's equal. Um, I, I think that the lo- when you do lose in some capacity or things don't go your way, I think it it stings a little more. Um, I think it uh, I think it puts that gentle reminder, sometimes a real rigid reminder in your mind that uh, this is the way you should be doing it. And uh, but at the same time, when you go through that and things don't go your way. Uh, the lessons that are learned have value. They, they always do. Uh, and then they correlate and they translate into wins and success. Again, things, there has been times where you don't, you don't win a job because you misbid something or the job was supposed to be 20 weeks long and it goes 30 weeks because you missed a certain portion. But the, the thing you have to do, I think, in winning or losing is you have to be accountable. Uh, accountability is huge. Being accountable for your actions, having a big chest and taking it on. Being honest, uh, if you tell if you're always telling the truth, you don't have to try to remember what you said. The truth is the truth. Um, no isn't a bad thing. Uh, these are all the things that I put into my daily thinking. If uh, that and, and my partner Jim and one of my dearest friends taught me that a long time ago. I was, I think I'm a pretty nice guy. I think I uh, I, I try to do right by everybody around me. And he said, 
we were having conflict in the office one day with a with a trade or something and he said sit down and i said okay i'm gonna sit down and he said no do me a favor i said yeah and he goes say no <laughs> I, said, I said okay no and i said what, what? he goes say it again no say it again no he did this with me for about three minutes he goes no look it's not that bad okay tell this guy no we're not gonna we're gonna stand up for what this is we're not gonna give this guy everything he wants or whatever the conflict was i don't remember but i remember the lesson i remember the lesson from him and it it really voted well jim you know jim and i are are opposites in a lot of things but we have the same beliefs in a lot too and uh, he really helped me at that point and at a point where we really needed it in 2008 or 9 i think interesting interesting so what do people misunderstand about the about the construction industry? Your Engel Key Construction Solutions. Mm-hmm. What what do people think about when you go meet with a client or 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 you're and it might be a little bit different residentially compared to commercially. But but when you're walking into that office into that client meeting what are they thinking? What what is their what are people's general perceptions of somebody in your field of expertise? Great question. Um, the The construction industry, unfortunately, is littered with a lot of folks that probably don't do things the right way, um, either financially, morally, ethically, workmanship wise. Um, and when you do start the conversation and the process of construction. The client is normally always starts on the defense. They always have a little bit of negativity. Here we go. I'm going to spend a bunch of money. It's going to take longer than it was supposed to. It's going to be cost more than I expected. Um, those kind of things. So you immediately have to remove, you know, take the wall down, right? You got to take some of the courses of block down immediately. And you only do that by trust. You're, if you're open, if you're transparent, if you discuss the process, if you tell them that you're a partner with them, if you explain to them how it should go so that they can be in charge of their own decision-making, um, it's a little bit easier to win the room that way. Um, it's why we spend a lot of time in business development, and we just don't go on um, builder boards and pick off 20 jobs and uh, bid them all and hope we get one out of 20. We really select our clients um, with a lot of thought initially by spending time with them. And the whole idea is that uh, as you're as you're in the room, as you're talking to the, the client or your partner, whoever, however it ends up being, is that you want you want them to believe that you're the smartest person in the room, that you know the most about what they want. Um, obviously, we're not always, but you, you want to work hard to get to that point. And then the trust starts to build. The bridge of trust is important. And during that time, as we spend that time with that client and we spend that time understanding their needs, understanding their budget, understanding their timing, understanding their product or service, um, we're building that trust throughout that process. At the same time, naturally, we're eliminating competition. That you know, they feel comfortable with us. They have a good feeling for us. Not for an opportunity to gouge them or to overprice things, because we just we're very consistent with our margins. But to just create that that bond of trust, and that's, I think it it changes the stigma a little bit with with contractors and just construction overall, because it does have a little bit of a a, a tough name. It's it's not so much as car salesman tough where you got to go and buy a car <laughs> with all due respect to car salesmen um nobody seems to like that or going to the dentist for a root canal but it's it is a little tougher you have to you have to really spend time with them it's not just a number to us but the last thing we ever want to do is never meet the client and just bid off a set of drawings and send a one page with our number on it because that's not who we are right we are touting the experience and, and it takes a long time to build a commercial product it does so so uh one of the uh one of the buildings you've built here in in town is where murphy tractor is located mm-hmm. on industrial parkway south yeah. 
Beautiful building. You see it from I-71. You see it from the front of it. It was a unique building because of the way it's laid out. Mm-hmm. And what was that process like? Because that, that's a pretty sizable building for that location. Yeah, it is. It's To be honest, it's pretty sizable for us. I mean, our, our average... Job size is seven or eight hundred thousand dollars, and that one was several million dollars. Wonderful, uh, first off, a wonderful client, a client with a great vision, um, a, a client for a client that understood uh, the intent of what the project was, and then the, once we created the trust with them, they allowed us to do our job. Um, the process went really well, to, to be honest, not because you're in front of me, but the process of dealing with the municipality and going through the initial, all the due diligence in the front end, that's a hard time because nothing, we're not moving dirt, we're not digging holes, we're not building things out of the ground, we're just talking at that point. And that process went very smooth. Um, and they made a they made a sizable investment to make sure it was architectural pleasing, architecturally pleasing. Uh, and the whole thing was just, the whole process was just really good. Um, it looks good. It's a good statement job. It's one that we're all very proud of. And we've, for a long time, worked very hard to try to, at least where we could within the community, deal with enough clients in the community where we can make our mark. And it is the community we live in. It's it, My home is here. My home will always be here. Um, my business will always be here, whether no matter how large or wherever our growth goes, we will stay in Brunswick. Uh, we, we support the community and, and building things in your own community like that. There are things you can be proud of and there are things you can hold your head high over. And that, that building is one of them for sure. That's great. So we're going to jump around here a little bit now, Eric. Yeah. So if you could go back now that you're in your business, and I use the term successful in many ways. Successful is not just financial, but it's also a worth. It's a being. It's uh, being an employer. It's being a, a a resident of a community, a stakeholder. So, but if you could go back and give your 18-year-old self a bit of advice, you're coming out of high school. What would you tell yourself? <laughs> Don't eat so much fast food. No. Um, <laughs> well, that is a real bit I, of advice. Yeah. But <laughs> no, I, I probably, I, I probably would say to, not so much later in my life, what I when I did it, but even when you're younger, to bite off a little bit more than you can chew, because you always grow. You grow with experience. You you always grow with maturity. You always uh, you always just grow in time. And if you bite off a little bit more than you can chew. You'll always be challenged. And early in my career, before I, for the 15, 18 years that I spent with other people, um, I, I, was, I was a little bit more passive during that time. I knew I was going through a process, but if I would have been a little bit more aggressive, bit off a little bit more than I could chew, I may have done it sooner. Um, not for a whole lot more, you know, not for greater financial gain or anything like that, but just just more experiences so I could enjoy the ride a little bit longer so I could have a little bit uh, just a little bit more time uh, having a bigger impact on the lives around me with as as they're my colleagues and my coworkers in a building that we've developed and created that's great so so thinking about those lines of of advice and growth and and it's okay to stub your toe to learn and mm-hmm. and Failure is not, as they say, failure is not an option, but sometimes you learn the most from failure and you pick yourself back up and you keep going. We hear 
We listen to the 24-hour news cycle these days, and we hear about all the great stuff going on as opposed to all the struggles sometimes people have. And sometimes folks, whether it be even at CEO levels and, and uh, operation manager levels, what people don't know is many times they have mentors or coaches or, or folks they bounce things off of. Who are some of the influential people that have helped you in your life that you can look to, whether it be either, either currently or in the past, that have, that have helped you get to where you are and form some of your ideas about business and, and, and how you lead people in that business? Yeah, uh, first and foremost, my wife. Um, she's a, just a, a, a wonderful, honest, transparent woman who, when maybe I was sidestepping something or, or not handling something the right way, she was always a good truth serum for me, even when I didn't want to hear it. Uh, my, my partner, Jim, I've discussed because uh, he's a carpenter by trade. Um, so from an operational standpoint, uh, I've always looked up to him for that. He's been a, just a great success story, and it's been really fun to watch his journey. Um, my dad was a union electrician, and I watched him work you know, 60-hour weeks his whole life and uh, taught me the, the great work ethic when it comes to that. My mom, who I wish I would have had her longer, but uh, really family, you know, family. I From a from a business mentor standpoint, um, I probably couldn't pinpoint myself to one or the other. I've grabbed a little bit from everybody, and everything that I, every experience that I have, I always felt if I walked away with one thing, maybe one line, one sentence, one, one key thing to put in my toolbox, my mental toolbox, I'd be all the better. But being around... Um, just lots of different people. Father Bob Steck at St. Ambrose, dear, dear friend of mine. Um, I've been a parishioner there since I've been here. He's a he's a wonderful mentor, uh, similar age, but I, I learn a lot from him, not from a biblical standpoint, but from just a, a, an ethical and work standpoint. And um, Rich Nowak, my head football coach growing up. Uh, Luke Beal, another dear friend of mine who I coach with now. I mean, I've got just a litany of people. I, I can't... Uh, I can't pinpoint myself to one for sure. Um, but it sounds like you surround yourself with people that they can see, they can see the other side. They can, they can, they can have an honest conversation with you and tell you, Eric, what are you thinking? What are you, what are you doing here? But on the flip side, they can also say, Eric, you're doing a great job here and I see what you're doing. Yeah, that's, um, you know, you read the stories about, you know, surround yourself with five good people. You'll be the sixth surround yourself with five people that aren't so good you'll be the sixth that way too and um i'm a big believer in birds of a feather flock together uh people that try to do the right things people that try to uh be honorable in their lives and their work career and their personal life um you surround yourself with those people that you've already got a pretty good start i think and um and other people that aren't like that we have a responsibility to to be the voice of reason, right? To be the truth serum for them once in a while and tell those people and maybe be able to sway some of those. But yeah, you're you know, you're spot on with that. Good. Well you talked about other businesses that you've gotten into. You've said, well, uh, th- this is the this is where we started and we continue to go and push ourselves. And uh, one of them is uh uh, Engel Key Facility Solutions. Mm-hmm. What do they do? What, what what is that? Yeah. So thanks for asking. We um, so diversification is a is a big key for 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 our company. We we don't want the people. We don't want to be the people that just build one thing and that's our niche. We we wanted to make sure that we had several revenue streams and um, 
one that is one that is very very uh, important to us is facility maintenance. Um, if we're building a if we're building a building or we're building a site or building a project for somebody, it requires maintenance. Their asset requires maintenance. Well, why aren't we doing that? We don't want to drop the baton right when we're done and give them the keys and leave. Uh, so we want to have the post construction experience with them. We um, we've developed an app, a, um, a, a situation where we can maintain. If somebody has a clogged toilet in California for one of our clients, they can call us and we can have a plumber there within an hour to take care of it. And that's a pretty unique scenario. Um, but it's another it's another good revenue stream. We have a current our current client base leads into that, and then we attract other addresses. Right now, I think we manage around four thousand addresses around the country, um, and it's a big it's a big part of where we think our consistent growth can be. With changing and looming, uh, altering economic times that we go through in this country, uh, the hills and valleys with that. The one thing is people always have to maintain their facilities. People, um, they have to replace their HVAC units. They have to polish their floors. They have um, people cause damage to the buildings, and they need to maintain it in order to stay in business. And So, in other words, if there's a leak in the roof, mm-hmm. one of your clients can go on their phone, yep. push the app, fill in what's the problem, yep. and it gets sent to your company, right. the, the facilities yep. solutions, and then somebody gets dispatched to there. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, it's a good. It's a triangle of communication. So, you have the client, you have the tradesmen, and you have us. Uh, we do have on our staff about ten carpenters, ten different tradesmen that are employees. Uh, locally, they'll do some of the facility work, but for the most part, we have sub trades in every corner of the country. Uh, we've developed a really good sub trade base in all the major cities and then the surrounding cities because of our our new construction business. We pride ourselves on being someone who who is solvent, who pays our bills, who makes sure that we pay people on time, yep. so that we can motivate them to they want to respond to us. So when we need service done, uh, they're very responsive, and then that triangle of communication the client always knows when somebody's arriving when they're going to arrive what the cost is those kind of things it's uh you know a lot can be done on the phone and face to face but um you know nowadays the 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 technology has really improved enough where we can really be transparent about how things are going that's wonderful one of the other businesses that that you've got and uh you're actually putting a new one here in town is beyond juicery and eatery Mm mm-hmm yeah. Describe that. What is that? And, and from my perspective, I've wanted one of these here for quite some time because yeah. I've seen the growth of, of it. So I'm, I'm a little biased about that. But tell us about that and how that came about. That's a really unique operation. Yeah. When I when I said I like to take the hardest things, you know, jumping out of <laughs> construction and going into the quick serve restaurant business is uh, is a challenge. But uh, Beyond Juicery and Eatery was founded in Michigan. They've all, they have about 25 locations in Michigan. Um, one of my partners that I deal with in different other entities, um, he, he owned a few of them in Michigan, and I like the franchise model. I like uh, I, I like those kind of opportunities, but most importantly, I visited the restaurants there, almost all of them. Um, it's a it's a it's a health it's a healthy eating. Uh, establishment as opposed to which goes against uh, what your 18 year old self would say don't eat as much fast <laughs> exactly. food so it's it's uh it's all health all healthy smoothies wraps salads bowls um quick serve and the you know really happens very quickly people are in and out uh you know i, I compare it to to starbucks it's that type of uh, they're they have the best greatest coffee they're the largest known and beyond juice and eatery we want to be the same thing um but i spent a lot of time there uh the the culture, 
the people in the building, how the pro, how the product, the, the menu is presented. The founder of it is a, is a wonderful man. He's a chef by trait. Uh, he's really developed the motto of fresh is our focus and people are our purpose. And bringing one to Brunswick has been really important for me. We A few years ago, we committed to building 30 of them in Ohio between Columbus and Cleveland. Um, I, I'm I'm probably the only idiot on the planet that opened six or seven of them up during the pandemic, but it did uh, come, hence the hardest, I choose the hardest things, but we're we're smattered throughout Northeast Ohio right now. We have a couple in downtown Cleveland and Highland Heights, Menor, Lakewood, uh, Brexville, Copley, Green, and we've just been trying to find the right real estate here in Brunswick, to be honest. we Because it's hard it, sometimes it, to find hard. real estate yeah, in the, different places. Yeah, the, the, the community here has pivoted a lot. There's lots of growth and... Uh, we wanted to make sure we were going to the right spot. There's some competitive brands in the community where we couldn't go into certain areas, but we think we found the right location, and we're, we are super excited to bring it here. To have catering options, to have uh, community options where we support the community, and it and it is truly healthy. It's 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 really really good food. Uh, it's all fresh, uh, all made. You know, every piece is made for the client when they're in, the guest when they're in front of you. And it's just it's just going to be a lot of fun here. I think it's going. It's and going where's to be. it going? Where's it going in town? Uh, on Center Road on three hundred three um, in the Enterprise Plaza, uh, catty corner to the New Myers. We thought it was an excellent uh, an excellent spot there. That's an area that needs a little bit of redevelopment, and we're yep. we're part of it. I think um, we have the light there on the corner of uh, Hadcock and, and three hundred three. And we just, we just, it's close to the high school, it's close to the middle school, it's close to our parish, it's close to city hall and city services, and yeah. we support all those groups. We're, we, we really try to, to get back. We try to be involved with those groups, and being in our hometown again, I, I you, you met, you sent Bruns Tucky in earlier on, and I'm very proud of that. I, uh, I really, this community means a lot to me, and we're super, super excited to bring one to this community. That's great. Yeah. So, so let's let's talk about. You mentioned the fact that. Sometimes it's hard to find real estate. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people think that if you're a builder, you own the real estate. Yeah. And that's not always the case. No. No. Could you you outline a little bit about how that relationship works? Yeah. So... um Initially, a lot of it is based on economics and performance on accounting activities, deciding, you know, when the best time, when when the opportunity is to, to break even, to make money, to be profitable, whether or not you want to own the asset in the building or you want to lease or, and rent. Uh, so there's lots of factors that go into it. Um, the, the restaurant business in a small QSR, quick serve restaurant environment like that, um, I, I think it's, it's it's clearly a leasing position because the 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 time to recoup the money if you build a building the you know, building expenses are they're expensive nowadays and uh, to acquire land and acquire the property and uh, and and then build the asset and own it there's pluses to that but there are also minuses to it and we have sure. we have that on on a couple of different ends with different entities some of them we own the assets some we don't and it it really. That one leans us a little away from the experience. That's more about the economics of it, what makes the most sense. Um, the good thing in our community here is we have some real estate that's, in my opinion, very expensive and uh, very pricey for where they're at. And then we have others that are, make very good economical sense. Um, a couple of these pockets that are going through some growth, there's some great, some great areas to establish a business where... Uh, you could save a little bit on your establishment costs and then uh, and then improve the area yourself and be part of that. 
So it's, it's, it's a balance. A lot of that part of it, deciding what the best way to go, I think, is economics, building out your performa, understanding your investment. And then it, the investment is a big one, right? How much cash do you want to put into it or how much do you have to, to lean on banking with the interest rates and the way things right. are now? They're cha- those things are changing dramatically. But the cash buyers are always going to be king, right? The people that have sure. money and the people that are solvent are always going to be able to establish. Um, so it's it's been it, – that part of it's – that's another fun part of it that I like. That's the back office kind where you're going right. over the numbers. And most people don't understand that, that there are developers and then there are builders. Mm-hmm. And then there are, there's real estate holders as well. Yeah. And there are lots of different ways to, to skin that cat. But in, in that food chain of building a building or buying land, if you have the land, then you can determine, am I going to lease the land and somebody else will build on it? Am I going to sell the land? Am I going to manage it? Um, Is the developer the one who's financing it or is uh, is it a design build where the builder is actually doing? So there's a lot of ebbs and flows in the real estate slash development slash building market that people don't always understand. Like when you're building, for example, a commercial building, the builder doesn't necessarily own the property. Mm -hmm. They're building for a client, as you've talked about. um, And that client could be somebody who actually is uh, leasing the building for 20 years, but they don't even own the land right. that they're sitting on. And so there's a, there's a lot of complications. So it gets it much more sophisticated than I think people realize in the building development markets. It, it does. And I, you know, Grant, I think I would say there's a progression to it, right? Your, your first day when you start with $65, you're not going to buy the 30 acres for $10 million. That's right. <laughs> you're going to, you're going to find a way to lease something to at least hang your hat. Um, so there is a progression. There's a progression in things that you learn where you become a rentor or then you become an asset owner or, or then you become an investor probably in an asset. Then you become the asset owner. Uh, then you say, okay, I'm ready to take off the next bite and I'm going to become, I'm going to buy a piece of property and then you can hold the entire entity. And, and I've gone through, um, I've been very fortunate, very blessed that we've gone through all those phases. Uh, we've been part of all those different phases where we are, hands off and investors in properties that other people are tenants. We've been just strictly renters. We've uh, owned the assets. Somebody else is on the land. We have owned the land and developed it and turning it into a subdivision or into a, uh, into a, a you know, a, a commercial building, um, all sorts of different entities. And then the end game of it, are you, are you doing that to sell it or are you doing it to maintain it and have passive income off of it? There's, there's all sorts of things that play into it. And then you introduce the outside factors, the outside of the economy, right? The need, the supply, the demand, the economics that surround it. Um, that, that to me, when you talk about construction, right, it's, well, you put the big blocks on the bottom and the little blocks on top and everybody else figures it out. Um, <laughs> that happens. And like I said, everybody could do that. If you have the strategic thinking and the, and the vision to see the whole process through, that sometimes could be as fun as it is as painting the walls or putting the trim up or putting the roof on or whatever it is you're doing. The process that goes on in the back house is, is the one that I'm challenged with. It's the one that I enjoy the most. And, and it's, and it's quite, a, quite an operation when you, when you put all those pieces together. It's the early stages of the game of life. It's the early stages of the game of Monopoly. Mm-hmm. It's, the, it's the early stages of the game of Battleship because there's competition. But when you put it all together, you kind of figure out your way. And it really is okay to start out which is something critically important I want to get across to folks that are listening. It's really okay to start out small. 
Oh, absolutely. You, you don't have to just jump in and assume that you can do everything at one time. I heard you say as a successful business operator, owner, investor, that you started out small mm-hmm. and you've grown over time. And I think sometimes young people, people coming out of school or, or dreaming, and dreams are wonderful to have, but dream in your world so that you can achieve that next greatness. No doubt. Yeah, that's a, there's a lot of ways to skin that cat and describe it, but that's, that's one way for sure. Um, in the environment where nothing is given and everything is earned, uh, you have to start, you have to start somewhere. Um, and somewhere most of the time starts out to be small with a vision of growing, growing larger. Uh, the, the, the pyramid blocks that I have built, the business that I founded and the other ones that my partners and I have, have developed all have the same strong building blocks on the bottom. Another one of our partners, Aaron Rasmussen, a good friend who owns part of our business, um, I learned from him shortly after he came on board in 2012, where he said, everything that we do, we have to build to sell. And it wasn't that we would sell it, but that we had to build it as if we were going to. We're going to hang on to it. It's ours. But build it by putting great, firm, sound structure underneath a great foundation, right? A great a great foundation for the company. And then we could build it to anything we want. We could build it to scale and build it to anything we want. Our revenue went from, honestly, from... 1 million to 1.5 to 2 to 4 to 8 to 20 to 30 to 50 to 60 to 70. These are the types of growth. And you could not have that type of growth um, that we've been very blessed with. I say that very humbly. Uh, You could not have that type of growth unless you had really strong fundamental beliefs, a strong foundation, and started out small with that belief. I, I believe that's the best way. Now, uh, don't get me wrong. I would have been really happy to win the Powerball. <laughs> $2 billion we, would have went a long way. We would have a lot, lot of people. Way. Yes. You know, we would have done a lot. But um, I, I don't know if well, um, uh, that journey would be really fun. But I don't know if that journey would be as rewarding as the journey is, that at least that I've been on. And so many other um, entrepreneurs have been on. You know, I'll humbly say it as an entrepreneur. Yes. So you're you're standing in line, mm-hmm. waiting waiting at the DMV or someplace else, maybe, yep. maybe waiting for a pizza in Brunswick, Ohio. I know that's not an oddity. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you're somebody in front of you who you don't know is a stranger starts talking with you, mm-hmm. and you you have that moment where it's okay to give a bit of advice. What kind of advice do you give a stranger you don't know? Well, I, I think. It, it depends on where the conversation is leading. I always tell them the sun's going to rise. Uh, we're going to we're going to have another uh, another sunrise, another sunset. Um, I, I really I really believe in that. I believe that whatever uh, whatever rope they're towing, whatever boat they're pulling that day, or whatever burdens they have that day, uh, that they're that they're going to change for the better. Um, I, I I'm a truly an optimist. I'm not a pessimist. The glass is always half full with me and. Uh, when I ask somebody how they're doing, I really want to know because I want to respond in some way. Um, and it's to give them uh, energy, to show energy in my replies, to uh, show interest, to uh, learn a little bit about that person. Maybe it's for two minutes, maybe it's for 20 minutes, but to learn a little bit about them and then try to relate and try to give something that I have either made a mistake in or something I've done what somebody would call uh, fairly well uh, to share that 
small experience. Um, again, the the journey is the funnest part, right? The 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 message and what you give off is the funnest part for, in your conversations with people, no matter who they are. And I could talk to anybody. I, I could talk to a rock all day long. Um, I'm glad I'm glad there's no TV in here because I have a face made for radio. But it's um, it's it's a lot of fun just to to meet, to talk, to to learn the unknown about people, and those are the experiences. We don't spend enough time in that nowadays. So many people are fast moving. So many things are fast moving. They don't take the time to to really find out about the people around them because there's always something to learn. There is always something to learn and something that is always relatable. Good or bad, it's relatable. Yeah. Favorite pizza? In Brunswick? Anywhere. Guido's in Chesterlin, where I was born. I still, my family and I, we still drive there about once a month to go there, and it's, if I could bring it here, I would, but they won't. They, uh, <laughs> They're they're really good. Uh, Foster's is a number two, um, and Antonio's to me is number three. Antonio's they do a great job here in the community. Great favorite donuts, Donut Land, hands down. Excellent chocolate frost. And and uh, favorite ice cream, flavor and location, Tin Roof, Honey Hut. Yeah, those are those are good ones. Very good. You didn't ask me what my favorite gym was. You didn't ha- haven't gotten to that point yet. <laughs> I find food is a is the equalizer, right? Yeah. When you when you have something going on, no matter what it is, if you feed people, whether it be uh, that food that we shouldn't eat or that food that we should eat, uh, people seem to find the common ground over food. Yeah, food is love. I mean, it, it, it comes. It is. It really is uh, the experience of creating it. The experience in sharing it, it is, and it's a, uh, it, it is a lot of fun. It is, it is. Well, Eric, we're just about finishing up here. If you had parting words of, of anything else you'd like to share, what would that be? What What is it that you would want to take away or have somebody take away from this conversation? I think um, talking to whoever's listening, I think if, 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 if they're entrepreneurs, if they're, if they're business stakeholders or they're employees in a community where... Uh, where they live, uh, to really, to really expand their wings, to ask for and do as much as you can for your community, to um, be engaged in as much of your community as you can, and really invest yourself in your community. Uh, don't just don't just have the the house and the address, and um, but invest in all things that your community has to offer. Because when you do that, you 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 really create a relationship with your own community. And I think that that's important. Um, it's been important for me enough where my partner Jim started our foundation, H2O Foundation. I started with him early on with that, and he's done an amazing job where seven years ago we helped one family at Christmas, and this year we will help 55 families in Christmas, uh, for, for Christmas in Brunswick. Our own neighbors, uh, people that are down the street from us or on the next street over, um, we do back-to-school school supplies for the city of Brunswick for all the schools. Uh, offering kids to come in, and we have a few hundred kids that come in, get haircuts, have a meal, pick out all their school supplies, um, find isolated incidents where families that are in need that are going through tough times, and uh, Jim and the rest of our board members will swoop in and try to help out. That's what I mean by investing in your community. The new playground that Leanne did down uh, at Nura Park, amazing uh, tears of joy of what she did and then what the community did around her raised hundreds of thousands of dollars um, 
just by talking about a, a process or a program. That's the that's the community feel. That's right. when I say invest in your community. Not not give thousands of dollars to help somebody, but go up to St. Ambrose and see the, the food handout once a month and support that and go to the food pantries and uh, support the levies if you can. And when the, the service levies come up, you support those and just, just be involved. Ask questions. Understand where you're at because you are invested in it. Um, I I and my, and my partners and I, we chose to to live, to work, to enjoy the community on every level. So uh, you can pick pieces and parts of that. If your employment is in another community, learn about that community. You're, you don't, don't just drive to work every day. Uh, and if, if, you just, if you're retired and you're living at home, spend time in the community, spend time in the park, spend time in understanding what's going on, the ins and outs. And it's not afraid to ask questions. Don't be afraid to ask questions and understand the direction right. of the community. That's what we've lost a little bit in this country. You know, everybody wants to go on their phones and the social media and believe that's all they believe. Talk, communicate, collaborate. Um, all the entities that I'm involved in, they're all founded on collaboration of great people. Tear down the walls. I had an office where we had walls all over the place. We tore all the walls down and we have everybody that can hear everybody else talking. Professional eavesdrop with your neighbors. Learn what they're doing. <laughs> That's a great line. Professional eavesdrop. <laughs> I mean, with there's your there's good things that come out of it, and That's and right. I believe in that, and and I love doing that in my own office. Uh, hearing hearing how one person handles one thing may be different than me, and you can pick some pick things up. So, but that's okay. It is okay for sure. It's it's a real long answer to a short question, but I think all those are, I think all those are important, Grant. I think they're all parts of what make you enjoy the journey a little more. But but focusing back on H two O for a moment, mm-hmm. uh, you've got a website, right? We do. Yeah. And what is that website? H two O Foundation dot com or dot org. Uh, okay. It, it, it is H two O Foundation, and I think it's dot org. Okay. And and so people could get involved. They can. Yeah. They could donate. They could donate, or they could donate time and donate time, which is really important mm-hmm. in foundations because the idea is not to keep money. The, the idea is to get either funds or or items or support that is needed via volunteers mm-hmm. through that foundation. Yeah. The um the amazing part about our Christmas uh that we do with people is it is not uh Jim and myself and two other board members. It is hundreds of families. Uh and they and we basically sponsor and get really intimate with other families and find out what their needs are. Everybody in the family and we don't do it on our own. We have literally hundreds of people that live in our community, and they show up, and they take families, and then they get other people to be involved. You have families of six or seven people, and everybody does their part by gifts. We then get together uh, at the hall at Copper Top, and everybody, we have a party. Everybody wraps together. Uh, and then Christmas Eve morning, we have 200 people that are, get in the Kmart parking lot, or the uh, the Marks parking lot now, I should say, and... Uh, take a picture and there's literally hundreds of people and then you go off and you go and deliver to families and these are all volunteers in some capacity when we uh when we do our school supply event we're involved with uh, our, our wonderful superintendent he works the event uh administrators work the event children involved and our kids and everybody else's children everybody's involved and we take them all because there's always something to do. There's always something to do. That's Jim, right. I know Jim has a lot of um, community cleanups, uh, helping people, help, uh, senior citizens in our community that maybe can't get to their yard. There's visions of doing those kind of things. Um, we collaborate with St. Ambrose on those kind of things, and we're always looking for something to do. That's another part of investing in your community. It's not, um, 
not just what pizza shop's going to go in or what that's the, right where the next light's going to be but what what can you do for your neighbors around you that's what this country is built on that's and right we, and we have forgotten a little bit but you're right uh, on the website you can find out information about our the events that we've done in the past the uh, and not to not to billboard the people that we've done it for but to billboard the effort the effort in the community effort and clearly not uh not jim and aaron and mark and i doing it but other so many other people our wives and our children and um children's friends and sports teams and you know community officials and right they're all involved in some capacity and and you you talk about just doing something for for the neighbors and we need to mm-hmm. get back to that what i like to say to folks is when you see a yard filled with leaves in the fall and it hasn't been cleaned up, yeah. you can either show up and help them yeah. or you can complain about it. Correct. I'd rather show up and help them. Absolutely. Some of my neighbors where I happen to live who are quite capable of doing it for whatever reason um, at times haven't been able to. Uh, one one neighbor, unbeknownst to me, they weren't taking care of their yard because they, they had been stricken by some cancer. Mm-hmm. So I didn't know that, but I saw that their yard needed work. Yeah. I just, you just go over and do it. Yeah. And it's the elderly neighbor down the street. You just go over and do it. And it's those simple things. Somebody's trash cans are on the curb and maybe you need to pull them in. And okay, maybe some people get upset because they're not sure what, what your motive is. The motive is. Hey, thanks. I'm here if you need me. And how many times has somebody done that for you? And it's just the most amazing feeling. It's and amazing. Here's the thing: you don't, um, you don't know what you don't know. That's right. And and that then trails into just do the right thing <laughs> and help right. and help and help people out. And when you ask, it goes back when you talked about being in a line and talking to somebody. When you ask somebody how they're doing, you're you're really asking them how they're doing. If you don't have the time to do that, you just say hello and you move on. But when you say how are you. Listen to the response. When you when you look at their home and you can ask yourself, how are they? What's going on there? It's okay to knock on the door and say, everything okay? Can I help you? Can I? Uh, I'm, I'm surrounded by friends that do that. Surrounded by people that do that. Uh, they're my uh, I envy. I envy for the things they've done. I try to emulate it. Um, and they're they're good things. If more people would just do that, uh, we would turn a really good community into an, a, a just. A great community, um, and then other communities will follow. They just will. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Well, thank you, Eric, very much for your time. If people want more information on Anglekey Construction Solutions, you've got a website for that as well. We do uh, anglekeycs dot com. E N G E L K E C S dot com. I appreciate that very much, Eric. Uh, this has been a moment in time for a cup and a conversation. Until next time, enjoy your time. <laughs>